And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me, Colin Smith. Great to be here. Okay, Colin, I'm excited. We're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 33 today. And uh, folks, if you have not read the book of Second Chronicles lately, let me just bring you up to speed. Um, it's talking about mainly the kings of Judah, some in Israel, but the ones in Judah, it goes through a whole litany of kings, some that are wicked, some that are righteous. Um, what's interesting is that the ones that are the most righteous end poorly, and the ones that are the most wicked sometimes end very well. And we're going to look at one of the kings today. His name is Manasseh. He's the son of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. And um, Manasseh is recorded as being one of the most wickedest kings in all of Israel, in all of Judah. So we're going to look what leads up to that. And uh, the background is this, Colin. In uh, chapter 32, Hezekiah has great exploits. Um, he's, he's like the super king. Um, he's the one where Sennacherib's coming against him, the king of Syria, and uh, Hezekiah is, he's just a, he's, he's a genius. He's an engineering genius. He, he stops the water flow from the other side of the mountain, and if you know anything about Hezekiah's uh, water tunnel, um, Hezekiah's tunnel, it, it takes, he took the water, it goes underground, it goes through the mountain. This is an engineering marvel where the men dug from both sides of the mountain, and they actually were within five or six inches, you know, as far as the grade of this thing. Can you, I mean, how do you even do something like that? Amazing. It is pretty amazing. I actually got to walk through that tunnel when I was in Israel, and it is incredible. You know, I got to a, the very center. It's where there's a little bit of an off, you know, it's off center a little bit, but the grade was only about, you had to step down just a little bit. It was only like five or six inches off, that's an engineering marvel. And so Hezekiah, mm. you know, he was known for his engineering feats. He was, he was a great builder, and, um, and also he was a great prayer. Um, one of the things that he did when he was surrounded by the enemy is he prayed unto God. He humbled himself and prayed unto God. It's an amazing story. So if you ever, have you ever read Second Chronicles chapter 32 in the life of Hezekiah, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. But... He does something really interesting. As soon as he has this great victory over Sennacherib, the Bible says, and Hezekiah was near unto death. He gets real sick. And he prays again for God to extend his life. And God hears his prayer, and God does. He gives him 15 extra years. You know, I think we got to be careful what we pray for. Um, I know when we're sick, I mean, who doesn't want to be made well, right? Yep. But I think what might be a better way of praying is just, God, I want your will to be done, not mine. Mm. I mean, I, we love life. I love life. I don't want to die early. I want to live my life to its fullest, right? But I think our prayer needs to be, Lord, I want your will to be done more than anything. I want what's best for my family. I want what's best for you, Lord. But Hezekiah prayed for an extra, extra 15 years, and he got it. And as a result, he has a son who is only 12 years old when Hezekiah dies, and this 12-year-old son takes over the kingdom, and the Bible says he is an extremely wicked king. In fact, this son immediately starts raising up all the high places, immediately starts bringing in all of the, the evil, the cultic 
practices, worshiping the stars of heaven, worshiping Baals, worshiping Asherahs, um, building the altars in high places, and undoing all the things that his father had done. Hmm. And so this wicked, wicked king, um, as he grows up, um, he's destroying the, the tribe of Judah. And this is what it says in verse 9. And Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than all the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. That's quite a commentary on this man's life. You know, more, this, this king Manasseh did worse than all the heathen, you know, whom the Lord had destroyed. The Amalekites, you know, the Jebusites, the, you know, all, the, all of these wicked people. And they were sacrificing their children on the altar. Verse 10, chapter 33. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not listen. Mm. Um, how do you think the Lord spoke to him? Um, how do you think the Lord spoke to who? Manasseh. To Manasseh? Well, I think in a dream is how we normally kind of picture it. Uh, or was it through a prophet? Could be through a prophet too. Yeah, and guess who a prophet was around at this time? Was it Isaiah? I was Isaiah. Yep. And so uh, I think Isaiah's um, speaking directly to him, most likely, and it says, Wherefore, verse 11, Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the hosts of the kings, the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Now, um, some commentators, I like this, uh, talk about this thorn idea of they actually put some type of um, ring in his nostrils hmm. and they bore it through his nostrils and then they would attach a rope to that and they would carry him, make him walk all the way to his, uh, to his new place, to the, the enemy. Um, they would make him walk with this ring in his nose. Do you, do you know why that is, Mark? No, why? Well, the, uh, the Syrians, not the Babylonians, the Babylonians worshipped Marduk. The Syrians worshipped Dagon. You remember Dagon oh, from the yeah, Philistines? Oh, yeah, The dog uh, god. He, he was half fish. And so they bound him like fish, like fish on a line. Oh, no way. They would way. lead the slaves in a row, like fish on a line. And the, the ones who were uh, not strong enough would be dragged, and then later they would die. But they were extremely cruel. But they would, they would line everyone up like fish. And they would carry him into captivity in a, in a row, just like they had caught wow, fish. Wow, I did not know that. Now, wasn't Dagon partly a dog figure as well? Uh, yeah, there's several ones like that, yeah. Um, they're all freaky-deaky, all yeah. of those. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Dagon, Baal, and uh, yeah. later Marduk and Babylon, um, all just evil, evil. So who was, who was um, the Asherah? That was the female. Asherah was the female. Baal was the male. Yeah. And their Canaanite pantheon. Oh, okay. Can but the Philistines also worshipped um, Dagon. And you see their god. He's the one that falls down before the ark. Very interesting. Okay. So, so here's this king. He wouldn't listen to God when God spoke to him. He's getting carried away to another country like a fish on a line. Verse 12. And when he was in affliction... He besought the Lord, his mm. God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, he, he knew. I mean, he, he knew something from his dad. But what's interesting is that I think because of Hezekiah's great exploits, those extra 15, if he had not had 
15 extra years to live, he would never have had the son. Mm. Absolutely. And I think Hezekiah's focus on all of his exploits and his greatness, I think he didn't have time to spend the kind of nurturing, mentoring time with his son that was needed. And so Manasseh really never got mentored by his dad Mm. uh, during those extra 15 years. Well, it's interesting, too, that um, a lack of parental authority, because the one sin he commits is what? Witchcraft, right? And what is witchcraft like? It's as unto the sin of witchcraft. What is disobedience? Stubbornness, idolatry. Idolatry. And so I think the the parallel is a rejecting of authority, of God's authority. Ooh, interesting. A spurning of it. Disobedience um, is particularly rejecting God's sovereignty and his rule, which is what witchcraft is. That's the same thing that Saul went through. Yep. He was he had the sin of witchcraft because it was stubbornness. He wouldn't listen to God or the prophet. He wouldn't listen and he wouldn't obey. Yeah. And so it's interesting how a lack of parental uh, authority and disobedience in the life possibly of Manasseh as a young child. I know a lot of times when older people have young children, they they don't discipline them because they don't have either the energy or they don't have the time or they just are too busy. We're living in a day when a lot of grandparents are watching the children from you know, a dysfunctional home, mm-hmm. um, you know, dad's in prison, mom's on drugs, and grandparents seem to be taking over. I have met so many grandparents that are watching their grandchildren, and they don't have any way to really discipline them. You know, mm-hmm. this the idea of spanking is gone. The idea of, you know, discipline seems to be gone. And I, I just was with a family just not too long ago. Um, they're raising these teenage kids right now. And the kids are just kind of like doing their own thing. You know, the grandfather came to me and he said, I don't know what to do. He said, my, he says, my granddaughter, she stays in her bedroom and all she does is basically nothing. And my grandson, he stays in the basement and all he does is video games all day long. And, uh, and I just, I, I didn't know how to help him other than say, hey, look, at, we have some resources. Will they listen to these dramas? Will they read these books possibly? And, um, you know, we gave them some resources, but... This is what's happening in our generation today. There's um, a lot of children that, that are lacking the kind of yeah. discipline and mentoring that is really needed. Well, it's interesting, too, when you look at the text, there's two literary arcs in the text. There's two chiastic structures here. The first one follows the first half of Manasseh's life, and the second follows the second. It's interesting because it starts out with Manasseh, and then it kind of ends with Manasseh in verse 10. So 1 and 10 are kind of like start with Manasseh, but like, when you look at verse 2, it says, like unto the abominations of the heathens. And then in verse 9, to our shock and horror, he has done worse than the heathens. Mm. If you look in verse 4, it says, the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord has said in Jerusalem, shall my name be forever. And then you look down in verse 7, it says, um, he made in the house of the Lord, which mm. the Lord has said. And then if you see right in the center is his first literary arc, it's he caused the children in verse 6 to pass through the fire in the valley, also observed the things we should not have done, the enchantments, the witchcraft, that dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much evil. So his first half of his life is spurning disobedience and evil. The second half of his life, if you look in verse 10, the Lord speaks to Manasseh and, and then in, in verse, uh, let me go down here, 13 at the end, it says Manasseh knew the Lord was God. So there's a change in Manasseh's life between 10 
and the end of 13. Mm -hmm. But if you look in 11, it says, and he carried him into Babylon, which in, if you look at the end of 13, it says he brought him again to Jerusalem. So once again, there's something that happens in the middle here that changes him. Mm -hmm. And so if you look in verse 12, it says, he was in the affliction and he besought, besought the, the Lord, Lord God. And, and he humbled, humbled himself, himself greatly, greatly before the Lord and God of his fathers, and he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and he heard his supplication. So right in the middle, instead of seeking the wizards and the witchcraft in the Valley of Hinnom and doing it the way the world kind of presents it to be done, mm -hmm. he does it God's way. He does and it. he seeks God, and there's a change in his life. Yeah. So there's a change for the worse when he seeks the world's way. And in the second rotation, there's a change for the good when he seeks God and humbles himself. So in the first cycle, disobedience and throwing off authority. In the second cycle, he, and it's interesting, it says, the God of his father. You know, and because we talk about Hezekiah had such a role in, in this 12-year-old being not disciplined, but then he seeks the God of his father. So it's not his father, but it's the God of his father. He humbles himself and places himself under his authority, and that changes his life. Hmm. It's really interesting how... God writes this this account here in verses 12 and 13. It uses this, this uh, phrase that um, he humbled himself before God when he was in affliction. And then verse 13, he prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication. Mm. So he prayed and he heard and he brought him again to Jerusalem like you just said. And he knew that the Lord was his God. Mm. He knew that the Lord was his God when God answered his prayer, brought him back. Now watch this. For me, this is the most amazing part of chapter 33. It says, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord and his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the Lord God of his fathers and prayed. Now, this is interesting. He besought the Lord. That's a form of praying yep. in, in verse 12. Then he prayed in verse 13, and God entreated him. And he was heard in his supplication, and he brought again, he was brought again to Jerusalem, and Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Manasseh knows that he is God when he gets answers to prayer. One of the things that we really need to stress here in our, in our churches, in our families, is this idea of answered prayer. If you're, if you're a believer, Jesus said, ask whatever you will and I will grant it unto you. Now, of course, within God's scope of, of what his will is, but we should be receiving answers to prayer on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, we, God, God says, come to me. You know, first of all, you come to me, I will no wise cast you out. And he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. That's the way God really is. Mm. He's a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. And so one of the characteristics of a true believer is that they get answers to prayer. I was talking to, young, talking to a young man just uh, this past week about this, and that, you know, you, there should be some evidence that you have a relationship with the God of the universe mm. who now is your father. Yeah. What father does not want to give good gifts to his children? And so it is so important. This is how Manasseh knew that he was God through his answers to prayer. Now watch this. Mm. He goes on to build and to tear down everything that he had raised up that was evil. So he's now he's making decisions to undo the evil. Look at verse 15. He took away the strange gods, the idols out of the house of the Lord, and all the altars that he had built. So there's some action that's taking place when a person gets right with God. Mm. He's undoing the evil. He repairs the altar of the Lord in verse 16. He sacrifices the peace offerings and the thank offerings. He's doing the things that are right now. Now, this is key. Not everyone follows what Manasseh is doing. 
That's in verse 17. But in verse 18, now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, this is the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Watch the, how it, watch what's recorded here. And folks, as you're listening to this, this is key. Because no matter what your life has been, your life can radically change in a moment's notice. And this is how it can change. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers the words of the words of God that were spoken to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel behold they are written in the book of the kings of Israel we have a record of this watch this verse 19 his prayer also colon they're repeating this twice they're making such an emphasis this is the fourth time they mention his prayer can you imagine he just got beat up brought to another nation and he prays, God answers his prayer, brings him back to the land. He goes, I know that this is God. Everyone that's listening to this can have the same exact experience. No matter what you're going through, all it takes is to humble yourself and come before God and say, God, help me. I can't do this myself. And when a person humbles himself in this way, comes clean and says, I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. I deserve whatever you, whatever you give me. God, please, please redeem me. Redeem me with the blood of your son. God will answer that prayer. And it says in verse 19, his prayer also and how God was entreated of him. And notice this. It doesn't let him off the hook, Colin. Mm -hmm. Verse 19. This is the record. This is the last will and testament of King Manasseh. His prayer is first. He goes down and you know, as a, as a testament to his life, his prayer, but also, it says, and all his sin mm. and his trespass and all the bad places that he built and all the groves that he built and the graven images. Notice this, before he was humbled. Behold, these are all written in the sayings of the seers. Mm. You have this, this framing of his prayer and his humility in all of his sin in the center, meaning that God has taken all of the bad stuff and made this man, he will be remembered not by his sin, but he'll be remembered by his prayer and his humility. Hmm. That's a really beautiful way to look at life, you know, especially people are going through some rough times right now. One of the things you just can't minimize is the power of prayer. Um, In the book of James, it says, the effectual fervent prayer, or in other words, um, the pr- prayer is effective. Mm. If it's fervent, if it's from your heart, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, Elijah stopped rain. You know, Elisha, you know, he blinded a whole army. You know, prayer is so powerful. Mm. So, Colin, in these last few minutes we've got here, can you summarize what's going on here from the text? Well, what's going on in the text is you have a king who starts out poorly and then through God's humbling of him and his humbling of himself before the Lord, he ends up um, turning it around. And essentially, he turns it around. The Lord doesn't let him off the hook, but he turns it around. And by faith, he comes back and the Lord brings him back by faith, Hmm. which is such an amazing story because, you know, one of the things that hit me is... You know, it doesn't. It says in the beginning of the story that he did like unto the abominations of the heathens, but then it goes on and says he did worse than the heathens. Hmm. And I think that idea that a lot of people have that they've gone too far, 
or that they've sinned too much, mm-hmm. or that Absolutely. they've gone too far from God's grace. Mm. And I'm here to tell you, Hezekiah's son Manasseh, he went so far that he went further than the heathens. He went as far as you could go from God. And he found in that, um, he found that if he humbled himself and he returned to, the, to God, God was right there waiting for him to take mm. him back in. So Colin, I want to I end with this. Um, right after Manasseh dies, um, his son, whose name is Ammon, um, he takes over. He's 22 years old. Mm. And it says this, verse 22, it says, He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did his father Manasseh. Mm. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh, his father, had made and served them. So this guy, this kid, he grows up and he's now going to redo all the things that his father had just previously torn down. Mm. But he's had... You know, this terrible upbringing, just like Manasseh had with his father. Mm. So he's not had a mentor in his family, a godly mentor, um, which it's difficult to influence the next generation if you yourself are not living faithfully. You know, I think uh, the, those, of, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus, those that will pers- persevere until the end, um, you know, that's what Paul says, you know, run that race faithfully all the way to the end. I think they will have the greater influences on their children and the next generation. Mm. Um, that's why it's so important not to divorce. It's so important to stick it out, you know, do whatever whatever you have to do to make it work, you know, humble yourself, get the help that you need. You know, whenever whenever sin, it's like a, it's like a tree that's been injured, you know, that that ring in the tree, when you cut it down, you can see that injury. Mm. Um, that's what sin does. But here, Ammon, he's not only sinning like his father and worse. It says this in verse 23, And he humbled not himself before the Lord, as his father Manasseh had humbled himself. Mm. But he trespassed more and more. Mm. And then right after it says that, People conspire against him and they kill him. Mm. Um, it's so important, listeners, that we just go to the end with God. Do whatever God is requiring of, of us. Um, some, some, of, some of us have been placed in difficult situations. Um, it doesn't make any difference how difficult the situation is. What matters the most is that we are obedient and faithful to God in his calling. Is he called? Has he called you? in a difficult marriage? Has he called you in a false accusation? Has he called you in a difficult job? Has he, whatever God's called us, Paul says in Corinthians 7, stay within your calling. Don't try to get out of it. You know, remain faithful to God and then watch this great God, just like he did with Manasseh. Watch him do the unexplainable and unthinkable. He will redeem. And as a result, it will have an influence upon our children, and our children's children, and that's what's most important here. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit FastenedLikeNails.net and fill out the form. That's FastenedLikeNails.net.
you can learn from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater. I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents the Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net. Lamplighter.net.